Good Friday afternoon, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Siegel Show. It's great to be with you on a Friday afternoon and connecting with you through this network, which we work very, very hard to create, to grow, to improve. Today's program airs on all social media channels, archived on all social media channels, and of course on ilovesiegel.com. What we like to do with the network is we like to highlight positive success stories and people doing well by this community. Our guest embodies those qualities. Before I would call David Tricorici a businessman, I would call him a husband, I'd call him a father, a proud Charlottesvillian, a military veteran, and a guy committed to improving our community through entrepreneurship. He has ideas left and right. He brings these ideas to market, and what results is jobs for people. That's what small and medium-sized business owners do, especially ones with community ties like David has. They open up hiring opportunities for others, which further strengthens the economy. That's exactly what he has done with Skuma Boutique Dispensary on the Charlottesville Downtown Mall. I was at Skuma Boutique Dispensary a couple days ago, <coughs> saying hi to David and his wife, and I was taken aback with the cleanliness of the store. I was taken aback with the aesthetic of the store the security within the store, how the product was laid out strategically, appealing, and just very, the feng shui of the store was fantastic, the flow. And I'll let him talk about that here in about eight seconds. I wanna give props to Judah Wickhauer, our director, the man behind the camera, sometimes in front of the camera. Why don't we go to the studio camera and let's welcome David to the show. My friend, I've been looking forward to this interview for some time. Thank you kindly for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jerry. I appreciate it. It's Thank our you. pleasure. Our pleasure. Introduce, before we talk shop, before we talk business, how about some personal ties for David? Talk to us about your ties here uh, to Charlottesville, Virginia, in the Charlottesville area. Uh, hello, Charlottesville. As you know, uh, if you do, I'm born and raised, graduate of CHS 09, Black Knights. Uh, and I've since moved after my Army days, which were shortly thereafter high school back to Crozet um, to raise my family with my beautiful wife Kirsty and uh, we've got two little ones at Crozet Elementary and one on the way so uh, yeah how's it, how's it feel having a uh, third child it's gonna be uh, awesome. a bun in the oven how you feel about I, I that I can't wait it's, I'm excited yeah yeah talk to me about uh, parenthood and fatherhood what do you love about it it's great it's like uh you know, you can press save in your own world and then watch them develop and mature and, and lead their own game, you know, that you can uh, help influence with positive decision-making and, and uh, hope, you know, just help helping just cater a little person into the becoming a bigger version of, you know, uh, yourself and going on to do their own big things. I love it. You have a son and a daughter now. Mm -hmm. What's number three? Uh, we're not going to find out until it comes. So. Really? Yeah. You're going with the surprise? Did you do that with the first two? No, no. We, we did it all by the book through UVA. We're going to go back to their midwife program for the third round. That's yep. awesome, man. When is your uh, child due? Uh, February, baby. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. His wife, um, who's watching the program now, now Kirstie, is an instrumental part of Skuma as well. Why don't we highlight Skuma Boutique Dispensary? Let the folks know, some who may not know about your brand, where you're located, the mission, and what the business is all about. So, yeah, Skuma Boutique Dispensary is located on the historic downtown mall. It's between uh, the Nook and the uh, Paramount. It's right on the corner of 3rd Street, right next to Rapture. Uh, and we have graciously and very, you know, very grateful to have become a market leader in CBD and THC sales. And uh, we've been there a little over two years now. It's been nothing but a success that we're continuing to tweak and improve. And anyone who's been there and come to us since the beginning has seen that the, the gradual change and growth, um, we're never gonna stop. We're just gonna keep improving. Uh, and uh, we've been navigating the laws ever since. And we like to say that we're staying on the, you know, proper side of uh, the, the uh, we're on the in the white market, right? So we're selling everything completely legal and compliant, both federally and state. We just have some workarounds to 
bring a product that's a little bit more desirable. Um, you know, no synthetics or artificial products of the such. You know, everything's real natural and. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good place to be, and we welcome anyone and everyone to come and check um, it out. Cer- certificates of analysis? Yeah, all of our products. Part of the compliance is, you know, uh, among many things is that the products have to be uh, third-party independent lab tested, and uh, their THC, CBD content, all their cannabinoid content. Um, in, in the cases of our flour, our smokable flour, inhalables, uh, they're tested for foreign matter, uh, residual solvents, uh, any sort of uh, pesticides, heavy metals, all tested against that to make sure they're compliant. And um, we just want to be able to deliver a safe and quality product that's consistent. So it's it, we've, we've been very fortunate to do that these pa- past two years, and we appreciate the ability to continue that going. Chad Wood giving you some props. So he, he says, I hope you and the family are doing well, David. Leah Baker giving you some props on the program. Um, we got folks watching in Crozet, in North Downtown, in Louisa, in Green, in Keswick, in Orange. We got folks watching in Greenwood. We got folks watching in Belmont. We got folks watching on Cherry and Star Hill. Florence Worley Via, welcome to the program. Thank you kindly for joining us. When you opened, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. The political climate was a bit different. Completely different, yeah. Why, why don't we talk about that flipbook of what happened? When you opened two years ago to some of the maybe headwinds mm-hmm. that Youngkin has uh, maybe caused local dispensaries. Put that in perspective for us. Right. So uh, if you have been with in Virginia this whole time, you know that we've gradually transitioned from Charleston and Albemarle County for a few years. Really proud of not criminalizing anyone or ticketing or punishing anyone on a judicial or monetary level for having cannabis. So it's been, a, you know, the, the plight of the pothead has been very positive in this local community for a while now. Um, and then we went to decriminalization in Virginia, which kind of like solidified that, okay, cool, it's been decriminalized officially, unofficially in Charlottesville and Albemarle. Now it is statewide. Uh, year after that, uh, completely recreational. So you can have it possess it, grow it, smoke it, cultivate it. Uh, there was just no uh, retail platform. You know, there was, if you were to purchase it, it would still have to be through the traditional med- medical cannabis lobby, uh, you know, in their uh, restrictive states, uh, or should I say health districts, uh, which we did not get one. Our health district, the Thomas Jefferson previously health district, now known as the Blue Ridge uh, Health District, does not have a medical cannabis dispensary. So we had a few things going for us when we started. We had like this local appetite of, you know, uh, positive or, you know, not negative cannabis outlook. And then the state was slowly transitioning. Our um, health district still to this day does not have a medical dispensary. So we were able- Closest one is Richmond? Correct. Yeah, Richmond Short Pump, okay. uh, Lynchburg, Northern Virginia, um, just not Harrisonburg, not Waynesboro. Aren't Stanton, you surprised Tr- we don't Virginia. have one in this health, this district, in the Blue Ridge district? Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be coming up soon. I think it's been in legal contention for a while, and we're going to do everything we can to get it, uh-huh. um, to solidify that. But that's yeah, a kind of a, uh, you know, as, as much as our, you know, our the way we're presented, we are very much a small local business. So I will definitely fight with all my resources to get that our health district medical license but uh i think it should go to you i mean you've got the trend you know this is one man talking here you're the you're the pro you're the pros pro here you got two years of track record mm. of doing it right yeah yeah two years of doing it better back. yeah yeah doing it yeah. doing it better than anyone yeah trying yeah. i mean and and put in perspective what yunkin has done to operators like you mm. so uh you know all this hunky dory goodness uh, that we we were bestowed upon by the state level and local climate and appetite. Uh, Inter Governor Yunkin, who uh, very quickly, you know, saw this very loose program of a recreational retail cannabis market as a uh, unfinished policy from the previous administration. So just nixed the whole thing throughout the baby and the bathwater all at once and really just 
uh, and it was all written by the medical lobby. So if you if you were to go and read SB 903, which is the death knell and the coffin of the hemp industry of Virginia, uh, put a lot of people out of business. Uh, if you go back and read the verbiage, it's really dense. It's really uh, specific. A lot of terms that no politician or policymaker um, would be, you know, at all interested in or privy to. It's it's completely written by. Um, you know, we can get into that, but you know, the medical lobby and with funds donated from them to uh, local uh, state representatives to push this bill along because it was pushed along really fast in a matter of like, you know, 90 to 120 days. It became from like, you know, words on a paper to uh, legislation, you know, enacted legislation on the state level. So, and when cannabis CBD Delta 8 went from Darling. I mean, it was like, I mean, when you started this, the momentum mm. in the Commonwealth was like palpable and tangible. Yeah. People were gearing up. And, and that, that, our whole industry was, yeah. Everyone farmers. was gearing up. The farmers, the middlemen, uh, the retailers, the private equity money, mm -hmm. business people looking to get involved in the industry. And it looked about 24-month timeline to that fruition, you know? Right. <laughs> we, we thought it was clear green light. And then Yunkin comes in and he's proceeded to be headwinds here. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised Yunkin did this, especially since he's a free market business guy? You would think being like a, like a local, you know, Virginia business man, uh, you know, decades and decades of experience, you would think free market, capitalistic, government butting out kind of thing. Um, Which is what he really stands for in a lot of regards. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um and then he, he, I mean, how have you had to adapt and pivot? Let's put that so, in perspective. Listen to what this man's had to do here. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, a lot of my, I don't call it competition because, again, the Virginia hemp industry is pretty tight, pretty small, growing. We, you know, there's a lot of room for entry. Uh, the, the pie is very large. Uh, but so I, I say competition, but, you know, other CBD stores that are looking to uh, stake a claim of it. Uh, a lot of them have closed entirely. They're you know small little uh, staff of you know two to six people out of work, right? And you multiply that by every city in 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 Virginia that's lost a handful of these stores, and it it adds up, and it's not a good look, right? Like just shutting down small businesses. So what we've done is I, I kind of refuse to it, 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 like you know I'm going to continue. Uh, to just take the high road and do what I can to stay afloat, to pay, you know, the, the dozen people who are re rely on Skuma being open for He's got paycheck. 12 team members, yeah. guys. Uh, and then we have, uh, you know, the thousands of customers who, like, come to us say, just uh, sharing their relief stories from whether it's pain or sleep or uh, even just recreational, like, hey, this is a good outlet for me, you know. Uh, I didn't want to give up all, all those people, right? I couldn't. I, it, I, you know, I have a fiduciary responsibility to keep my successful, well-ran business afloat, right? So uh, they, with these laws, going back to the SB 903 legislation and, and the things that really trying to hinder us, uh, when they tell you a law, they tell you how to get around it. So we just kind of adhered to all their standards, right? The child safe packaging we were already doing from VDAX, they implemented it the year prior. Uh, clear 21 plus labeling, we've already had the, that implemented. Um, some silly things like topical creams must be labeled not for human consumption. So we did all that, you know, just, uh, and the, the really the big one that's like, okay, we can do all that. And uh, the, the, the big thing that caused a lot of these businesses to kind of throw in the towel was the 25 to one ratio. So what that being is every serving, the serving of THC content has to have a 25 times amount of CBD. And with their theory of the CBD content neutering the THC, right? So uh, so what's that mean even more layman's terms? So with what, a it, product line? what it means is if you're traditional, if you like to get a 10 milligram THC gummy to help with pain, sleep, good times, whatever, you know, your intended use is, 10 milligrams of THC would have to contain 250 milligrams of CBD. So uh, a lot of people 
uh, you know, like, so it, it would be like, you know, if you went to a bar and bought a shot, they'd have to give you a gallon of water. Wow. So that puts uh, it in perspective. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> yeah. With the shot. Yeah. Yeah. So we, how do you adapt to that? So, uh, we source, uh, pure raw CBD isolate by the kilo, by multiple kilos. So we get all this and it's raw powder form. It's the same isolate you would use if in creating a lot of these products that are the CBD ones, it's THC free, it's tested. Um, and then we supplement the THC you purchase as a consumer with this isolate. So they're, uh, in the, they're co-packaged but in separate containers and as one serving size so ah. when you purchase it it's contained together in a child safe well labeled package and your 25 to 1 ratio is adhered to but there it is, is not neuter the, the product your gummies are not contaminated with the CBD you as a you know free consumer may take it and uh, take that CBD in any way you wish so like we recommend warm baths or in in tea or in your food, um, so that's brilliant. Yeah. When did that come to you? Uh, in a moment of how do I not close my business? You're, that's you know, brilliant, like, you right know, there. You just have to adapt, right? That was that was and that was a quintessential entrepreneur move of figuring something mm-hmm. out quickly yeah. for survival. Yeah, and then just running it through the legal channels and making sure that they're willing to stand because I'm 100% willing to, to stand on that as a legal uh, definitive match to their requirements of serving sizes you know well yeah of course because it's sold at the same time it's labeled labeled it follows yeah, all the packaged. rules packaged at the same time right and the customer's walking it out the door at the same time right yeah. that's brilliant dude yeah <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant um, talk to us about the Talk to us about the behind the scenes, almost the red tape that goes into running a business like this, legal fees, right. constantly reading the laws and policies and yeah. legislation. Put all that in perspective to us. Uh, it's, it's interesting, right? So like if you have a restaurant, or I shouldn't say that because I've never done a restaurant, so I don't want to, or if you had a car dealership, I can compare it to that, or a car wash. Or, he used to own uh, Monticello Motor. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of like legality in a car dealership, right? Financial mechanical uh, advertising but a lot of that is st- static right it stays the same so like the challenges you're faced as a small business owner you're in your lane and that lane is usually a straight linear path that you can uh, formulate around it well when it's continually changing every 12 months you just have to adapt you have to be willing to you have to lose that founder's fallacy of like this is my way this is the way we're doing it this is how it's going to always be done we're not changing it you have to like dismiss that from your mind you have to just own it and take it and then take every wave gracefully and just keep on going has right? that been challenging for you no uh, no because we have a really good team we have really good customers that support us we're, we're able because we're so busy we're able to like bring things to market that would normally need some sort of like financial backing or something to substantiate it but we can substantiate it based on our customers claims so like when customers come in showing us a picture of something they got in Colorado or California or that has helped them with X, Y, or Z, we're able to identify that and take, you know, information and uh, get it back to our VDAC certified processors and get like titrated formulations of CBD oils or CBN or CBG that really help our customers. So that's, that's, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun to be able to like then provide them a product that meets their you know, now we have something under our brand that really is helping people on another level. Uh, viewers and listeners, you can ask David questions, give him props, Please. ask me questions. We got <laughs> questions coming in. Um, Grayson, one of our favorite viewers and listeners, is watching in North Downtown. Hello, Grayson. He, he has a question for David. He says, are you surprised that Virginia is so late to the game when it comes to cannabis retail sales? And um, he puts it in comparison to some of the states that you've mentioned, specifically Colorado. And how, in a second comment, he said, with Colorado, the tax dollars generated from the cannabis industry have been dramatic and have positively funded, for example, things like public schools. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see every state. That's, that's probably a really interesting legal thing is to see each state, how they handle it differently, where Michigan is completely, you know, saturated. Uh, you can get 
like grams of concentrate for like eight or ten dollars and eighths of flour for you know uh $25 to where like other states that are really restrictive and restrictive medical programs where everything's very expensive um, or, or states that are completely wide open like Oklahoma with their licensing where it was you know $2,500 and then you can you in a facility and you're good to go you turn the lights on and start selling um, it uh, I think Virginia I think there was a lot of surprise that we were even the first state in the recreational as far as use um, I don't know. Why the surprise? Because of the long ties to the tobacco industry? Is that why? Maybe. I think so. And, you know, you think it's a little bit more conservative, a little bit more, uh, we've always done it this way. Um, but I, I, I hope we get our stuff together and start taxing it appropriately and regulating it appropriately. We do have the cannabis, uh, uh, the uh, CCA, the Cannabis Control Authority, and you know, VDAX is doing a really good job. I don't want to like attack them as the regulatory agency that hurts us because they 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 do so much. You know, from gas pump regulation to like poultry farms, and uh, they just so happen hemp fell under VDAX as you know Virginia crop. So they're trying to like help us navigate it. But it, yeah, it's just there's not enough infrastructure and framework. So to answer this question, yeah, I think I think we are really far behind, and we're not. We're going. We're the first state to actually degress and recriminalize cannabis. So that's another, it's not just me as the retailer. Individuals are getting uh, hemmed up uh, for larger amounts, right? Now, things that were slaps on the wrist or $15 monetary fines are now uh, misdemeanors and felonies. So it's recriminalizing, it's pretty asinine. You know, <laughs> I don't get it. Put in perspective the impact of this industry locally. Um, and we've touched on it some already, mm. but you know, two years ago, 18 months ago, before these Yunkin policies were implemented and now starting to get enforced, I mean, you had the farmers were going gangbusters. Yeah. The wholesalers were going gangbusters. I've been on your show with two Virginia VDAC certified hemp farmers that there are we no go. longer. They're closed. Yeah. <laughs> are they, they're closed, right? Yeah, they're, they're having to pivot. Everyone's having to pivot and thrive, right? Like, that's the only option. But it's, you know, for the state regulatory to, when something's already regulated, right? We already had VDEX in our business and doing really good work getting us, you know, where we should be. And then all of a sudden for it to just get slashed from the vine was just not conducive of pro business or, you know, you know, anytime you recriminalize, you know, tell your, constituents that they're now doing something illegal that was totally fine and tax collected on before it's it's just like that you know it's, there's a lot of friction yeah <laughs> absolutely what's the what's the long play here Does uh, the long play here waited out till yunkin because we know governors in virginia can't run for back-to-back terms correct waited out until yunkin is out of office and hopefully yunkin's replacement whoever it may be may be more pro cannabis than what Yunkin is is that the play hopefully yeah so we just you know we're going to survive as long as we can uh and then pivot to retail right so what we have now are the products we have now are good they're they're, they're non-synthetic um so we know do not have delta 8 we do not have delta 10 or thco any of these like isomers or um derivatives of thc that are considered synthetic we we just carry uh Delta 9 THC, which is just the nomenclature for traditional cannabis and you know, THC. It's um, under the 0.3% dry weight, so it's federally compliant. And then we have what's called THCA flower. So uh, it, it's phenomenal. It, it's almost near identical smoke to traditional cannabis. It's just the way it's uh, cultivated and harvested and tested. It's a little premature, a little early. Uh, before it could fully uh, develop into THC, which it does once you, the customer, decarbs it. So it's a really, we're in, we're in the best place we've ever been as far as our product line, uh, but we are also in like... A tough political climate. The, the smallest door we've ever floated on in the water. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's interesting. But Here's a tough question for you. If you had known what Yunkin was going to do, would you have launched Scuba Boutique Dispenser? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because in the end, like, you know, there's all the political back and forth and making sure everything's right, but, like, if you just zoom out, like, all the way back, it's about access and getting uh, these 
you know, nutraceutical, these uh, medicinal, these natural products to the people, right? That are either uneducated, uninformed, scared, uh, or worse, you know, no access to. So, it, you know, along with the the uh, the racial bias associated with arrests when it comes to cannabis, I mean, historically. Four to one, people of color are targeted and arrested when it comes to cannabis. Um, four times more likely to be targeted, arrested than someone that's a white person, mm-hmm. um, and that's wrong. And the decriminalization and eventual um, completely legal nature of cannabis would have also narrowed the gap when it when it came to um, targeting people of color when it comes to. Uh, marijuana and cannabis. So we were all very excited about that two years ago as this was becoming more mainstream and socially and culturally accepted. And I want to highlight this. I was actually having this conversation with a friend. While Yunkin has implemented or approved or greenlit policies that are headwinds to your industry, culturally and socially, I've never seen this plant more socially accepted. Yeah. More approachable, more welcome. I mean, it does not matter level of wealth, age, education. The acceptance rate of cannabis is at, I think, at an all-time high. Can you talk to us about that with what you're seeing? I mean, you could probably tell just by the customers walking in your door how it's like the entire gambit or spectrum of people. It is, yeah. So, we, I mean, the full, yeah, every single social class uh, on every level of all you know however you want to measure it by we get them and we love them they're awesome we love our customers we have hundreds and hundreds of them in our in our rewards program you know that come back to us and have grown you know grown their experiences and education with us as we have and it's it's a uh it's it's really something else it's cool the community that it's no different than any other uh product that has a following community backing uh, association with it so you know no different than the, the brewery scenes or the, the wineries and vineyards or you know foodies or people who go to music shows you know any one of those categories can experience it uh, in conjunction with and you know or on its own and it's it's really it's cool it's cool to see the the wide variety of people what's downtown mall retail life like uh, it's it's going well. You know, we're in our busy season. It's days are getting cooler. Foliage is going to start getting a little more colorful, and uh, we're going to uh, we're we're we really are thriving, doing really well. We're a little short staffed, but we're going to get back up there. So if anyone is looking for you know, and doing stuff, like, so for I could get to the, the the like hiring, like enforcing standards, right? So we're you know we provide you know free parking for our. our employees downtown uh pto for even part-time employees they set their own schedule very handsome uh discounts uh you know the whole gambit we we go out to either bowling or the skate room or the uh decades arcade uh on a regular basis just team bonding so it's it's again things you would see in other traditional lines of work that you said it's becoming socially acceptable you know that I'm doing the same thing on a small business level. I'm making us a normal small business. I love it. I love what you're doing here. Um, I'll highlight some of the viewers and listeners that are watching. BJ Berglund watching the program on LinkedIn. He gives you some props. Um, Jonathan, I'm going to get to your question here. You wanted okay. to say something? I'm ready. No, I was going to. I was just giving a peace sign to. Um, this DJ. from this from Jonathan Jerry. Can you bring up with your guest? Um, and you've touched on this. He says. Uh, some of the storylines you've highlighted on the show with downtown mall with foot traffic panhandling and homelessness and what he has seen considering he's got a very front and center perch with his store and jonathan says he's a customer of yours as well hey jonathan thank you sir uh we appreciate your business and and your desire to see what we're going through um it's gotten better i think uh i think we've definitely seen a a little bit of a uh, uptick tick in presence but again we, we've if anyone's been in our store since July 1st you've noticed we've got armed security uh, I know people have their different views on it we're working with them just as we're you know from day one just as if it was um, you know it's a new relationship and we're trying to tweak and make it better uh, for our customers not trying to have our security necessarily be a barrier to entry for any of our clients but more of just a 
something to keep them welcoming and secure. Um, why why people have beef with armed security? I don't get that. Just because creating safety. Yeah, but you know it's a little it's a little raw. I think you know I'm you know. Uh, but we're working on it. We're, we're taking in feedback. We're gonna, I think we're going to change their attire a little bit, get them a little bit more professional, looking a little less, like, tactical. and like. But we're working with a local vet, Virginia veterans security, and, you know, it's a local. They, they employ a lot of veterans for um, – and, and, you know, they're trying to do the right thing, and we're trying to do the right thing, so we're just meeting and developing it. But as far as, like, the traffic, I mean, or on the mall uh, – have you seen an uptick, downtick? I mean, where have you seen foot traffic versus when you opened two years ago? Now, when you opened two years it ago, was it was COVID a very time. unique time. Yeah, it was, it was COVID. rough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was pretty empty. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, no, it, it's good. And a lot of, like, the volatile things, I think, have, are starting to subside. I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic and wish and speak things into, like, positive existence. So I'm, I, but I'm pretty sure it's all, it's getting a, a little bit better. Uh, you know, like the random outbursts from, uh, you know, people who are currently not having a good day and uh, going through either... They'd be down on their luck? Yeah, either either mental health or housing instability or, uh, you know, and I've been face-to-face with it. I've, you know, it's... And it's not something that's, you know, necessarily, like, you know, that I'm proud to say that I've gotten in someone's face to try to remove them from a situation that they were causing great discomfort to others... But in that situation, it needed to be done, and I... Well, I, you're the store owner. You had to. Yeah, right, right. Right? Yeah. I mean, it falls on you. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, those are probably aren't my, necessarily my best moments, but it has to be done, right? Like, I have to create this welcoming and safe environment for my employees, for my customers. You know, these people are our guests, our visitors in the mall. We have people from all over um, visiting Charlotte, so whether it's... Uh, passing through to get to Florida or New York or somewhere along the way, or they're in here internationally for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, or we just had, a, we have a lot of huge, um, uh, you know, seminars that are hosted downtown during the week and such for different organizations that we get to emulse ourselves with their people and clientele and organizations. And it's, you know, so we have to set that standard, uh, and including that is random people, random Interactions outside can't be super aggressive, and and uh, so I, I'll, yeah. Have I'll, you been? Impressed? I personally jump in and get involved in those. I guess though. I like that. <laughs> I like that you do that, guys. We'll highlight some of the viewers and listeners watching the show. Michael Pruitt, hello. Thank you for watching the program. Um, we're going to highlight Jill Cowherd, hello. Thank you for watching the show. Neil Williamson, hello. Uh, I believe Patty Zeller is watching the show. Constance Wyant, the queen of the gentleman farmer, Jay Wyant, watching the program. Nikki Chambliss, Todd Rath of Blue Toad Heart Cider, the Cider King watching the program as we speak. Would you, um, I've been impressed with what Police Chief Cotchis has done mm-hmm. with the Charlottesville Police Department. I think he's done a really good job of humanizing and localizing and personalizing the department mm-hmm. through these walk and talks and Correct. these like community like functions. He was in a dunk tank at Ix Park. <laughs> he had like a fireside chat at the church next to Dairy Market. And he's routinely going to neighborhoods and doing these walk and talks with residents with the mindset of listening to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you seen from your perch on the downtown mall and, and, and someone who's a proud Charlottesvillian, born, raised in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. a product of Charlottesville Public Schools, what have you seen from the newly minted police chief, Cotchis? Uh, positivity. Yeah. yeah. And that, sometimes that's enough, right? You just, you force that enough, you know, in the right direction against the right currents, then sometimes everything, you know, it'll create like a vortex and it'll all go that way. Um, I think we're getting there. I really do. He's, he, I know he's, I, I've missed a few of them, uh, uh, but I know he's been doing like meet and greets with business owners downtown. Um, so even just that outlet, right? Even if it's, uh, you know, it, like in Iraq, we'd go, this like is when you were in the army. Yeah, when I was in the army in Iraq, we we I was a you know just a private whatever, but I got to be able to be part of these key leader engagements. Right, you'd go into these communities and hear them out, listen to them with the interpreter, have a meal. Kids running around playing soccer. We're giving away free stuff. Uh, that presence, you know, the presence patrol, the engagement with the key leaders in the community. It's you know even if nothing tangible comes from that event, the event itself is a tangible positive 
outward expression from whatever the regulatory forces, whether it's uh, a bunch of soldiers or police officers, and whether the community is, you know, mud huts in Salahuddin province, Iraq, or, you know, uh, 900 square foot ranch you know, bungalows in Belmont, you know, whatever it is, it's a good, uh, good thing to do. Leslie asked the question, what would your guests do to improve the downtown mall experience? Uh, don't, don't get me started. I'll, I'll go after, straight for the city's Achilles. Uh, free parking. There's no reason that consumers and workers should have to come, you know, when they have this massive, two massive parking structures, they should be free to every employee, to every visitor. They should be doing everything they can to generate economic revenue marginally. Like these businesses, like, you know, there was a huge vouch, uh, uh, used to be able to validate, right? They kind of like gone away from that a lot. Um, but there shouldn't even be a need for it. They should either make the parking structures free to try to drive as much revenue to the bars, restaurants, you know, paying 10, 11% sales and use meals tax, like all this stuff. Like that's how they should be enabling. They should not be putting additional restrictions and ticketing cars because they have a poorly laid out parking system. Like the entire parking array around the mall needs to be complete, like the loading zones and all of it needs to be re-engineered and restructured and uh, yeah, big, bigger the, the city needs to enable easier access to the mall. Do you feel supported and championed as a small business owner in Charlottesville? By, I, I, by, I know by the, customers and yeah, employees. The, yeah, the, customers the, the ones in the who, that's who That's who matters. Everyone, yeah. everyone else, I'm kind of like yeah, that's I, what I want to unpack. Centric. I got the everyone else. I want to unpack that. How okay. do you feel as a small small business owner with everyone else? I know your customers love you. Mm-hmm. I know the marketplace loves you. I know this community loves to support local, and you're as local as it gets. I mean, like I said, two days ago, three days ago, when I saw you, your wife was in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, you're creating new jobs. You sell product line that you know is is tied to ingredients locally. Yeah. Um, so you're doing everything the right way. You do things above board. You do everything at SCUMA the right way. How about the rest of the ecosystem supporting the small business owner? Do you feel that support from all aspects of it? Um, I don't know. I don't. I probably wouldn't be the best to ask because I don't really need any. Like I try not to look for that external. Um, you know, I guess I grade everything like first priorities. You know, you know, and and. By the time I get to like outside influences, I'm not even focused on it. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the energy or <laughs> wherewithal to, you know. But I guess. I mean, I guess it would be positive. Um, everyone I deal with and talk to is always good, even if they're not a user, or consumer, or client of ours. We just, uh, you know, when we're out at the local shops and stuff, and just. Uh, Kevin Higgins makes this comment. I agree with this comment. This is a strong comment from the mayor of Greenwood, Virginia. Greenwood, right next to Crozet, where yeah. he lives. I uh, uh, Greenwood Community Centers uh, went to a good. Did some, my wife Kirsty did a lot of clogging there as a kid. That's awesome. Okay, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Higgins says this: the police chief is sounding more and more like a connected mayor to me. I love that comment. That's cool. Yeah, I, I'm seeing that as well. Where he is out. I mean, if you think about this, Judah. Has Mike Hodges almost become the face of the Charlottesville brand with what he's doing? And if he has become the face of the brand that is Charlottesville through these meet and greets, these walk and talks, getting in a dunk tank on a hot summer day at X Park, roller skating. I mean, you can show some of these videos, right? Show some of the three-on-three contest videos we have with the police officers yeah. in the 10th and Page neighborhood playing basketball. Playing basketball. Yeah. I effing loved it. <laughs> I love it. I, I routinely say this on the show. We back the blue on this program. We champion police. We back the military and military, military veterans on this program. People like you, David, are heroes in my mindset. I get to go to work and do something that I absolutely love. Because people like you, people like Chief Cotchis and the CPD have protected my freedoms and my rights. And I will never take for granted the protection of rights and freedoms that allows Judah and I and anybody else watching this program to do what we want in this country. We live in the best damn country in the world. And the reason this country is the best damn country in the world is because of military veterans like David <laughs> and because of Police Chief Cotchis doing things the right way. He took over a department that was one-third vacant 
And his, the former police chief, Chief Brackney, literally is suing for 10 or $12 million for wrongful termination. Mm. So this guy takes over a, basically call it a business, mm. that's a, a significantly distressed asset, yeah. and he pumps life into it. Yeah. Right? And he's doing it. Look at the screen, guys. We're showing the officers playing three-on-three basketball on 10th and Page. <laughs> then he's going to show Chief Cotchis on roller skates over here. I mean, talk to me about all this, David. What what you think the significance of all this? What's going on in your mind? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's good. I, I mean, I definitely think that that's a good outlook. Uh, you know, as long as it's true and honest, which I believe it is. I believe it to be is uh i know uh there's some people on the for- force that are second generation police officers so they you know their their parent spent 30 years there and they're on their way to their 30 so like it you know uh it, that's just as much of a local entity or asset as a business is or anything else so it's got to be done the right way well said well said kevin higgins has a follow-up for you and says do you ever see a joint venture or partnership with local breweries with cannabis and yeah. a infusion or hybrid? I mean, because a lot of folks are saying that's the next thing that's going to explode. Restaurants mm. uh, with cannabis-infused menus and breweries with cannabis-infused um, liquid. Yeah, I I think very much so. I, uh, Pro Renata had Skyline, who was unfortunately negatively impacted and forced to close from SB 903. Um, but I think it's something that we could definitely develop, even if we have to start with a good CBD emulsion and mix uh, and then slowly work our way when it's legal and able to do THC combinations and drinks and foods. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's good. Um, do it done the right way and... and uh, done with like local brands i think it would be I'd, I'd be fully interested in it oh which reminds me i was gonna say yeah if anyone is still interested in the hemp industry whether they're currently or wanting to get into it please reach out to skumo we're we always you know as long as you meet the certain criteria laid out by the state we are willing able and more than happy and excited to get your product on our shelves for some exposure for some sales for just pride having a local natural brand or or local Virginia brand in our store. Um, Sorry, that was my... No, that's great. That'll be my one ADHD moment. I love it. (laughs) You're killing this interview. What were were you saying before? (laughs) Well, let me throw a couple other storylines that are happening. You have two kids in Amarillo County Public Schools. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How's transportation with ACPS impacting your Mm -hmm. family? We're talking buses here. And what is your family? I mean, you, this is a great question for your wife too, Kirsty. What is the state of the union, do you think, for ACPS right now, Almore County Public Schools right now, as it pertains to your family and what you've seen? Um, I think their facade of it's okay, we're not Charlottesville is falling and their, their, their weaknesses are being highlighted and exposed and it, we need to throw on some tourniquets and some blood clot and get them like you know because there's things that are uh i know a lot the transportation is huge right because there's everyone's on these fixed schedules and um they don't want you know i mean you're a business owner and your wife's pregnant yeah (laughs) we so we're fortunate enough to be able to drop off and we're fortunate enough to have after school and, and pick up from that and like we're very very grateful for that and lucky but a lot of parents don't have that flexibility in their time or availability um it, so it sucks about like transportation. I, I'm actually more worried about like the security aspect, the fact that the, you know the the, uh, in the hierarchy, the organizational chart. There's no really definitive security slash director, you know, director of um, safety positions. So you know, thousands and thousands of kids over, uh, you know, hundred plus buildings over dozens of campuses, like. Who's point to the person who's responsible for, you know, implementing plans and testing plans and refining plans of safety in any n- numerous situation for these kids? You know, and they, if they don't, they don't, they can't point to someone. There's not someone grinding 40 hours a week to make our kids safer in those schools. To me, that's a huge red flag. Um, 
but the transpiration sucks really bad too. I, I you know, that's um, put the times in perspective that you were yeah, saying before the show. So, Listen yeah. to this guy's, uh, and he's got a kindergartner and a first grader. Yeah, and the school bus pickup time was six forty-eight for a school time of eight o'clock. So, so they would have been on the bus an hour and twelve minutes <laughs> one way. Right. So yeah, we're not, and we're talking about a kindergartner and a first grader here. Yeah, five minutes from the school, but it, I mean, it's, it's five minutes from the school. I don't think anyone's. Jesus. To, to be blamed. I mean, I, I just... We don't blame the drivers. Yeah, the drivers I'm not, are awesome. I'm not, yeah. The drivers are awesome. This yeah. ain't a driver fault here. I, yeah. wish I, I wish I had the time to do a drive shift. That'd be cool. But that, that's right. That's my dream job. So my, my two, like, dream jobs would be, number two, being, like, school bus driver for my kids. Number one, uh, and this might get some flack, would be meeting people at the border coming to America for their first time and welcoming them. Whether that's, you know, if they're moving here, legal or illegal, I don't, I think that's, illegal people, I think it's not a, a, it's a non-issue, I don't think it's a real thing, but like, you know, welcoming uh, new residents, new residents to America, being the first person to welcome them, I think would be, that's like, that's, I'm going to somehow make, that'll be, that's the next time you're going to be interviewing me, Jerry, is I'm going to be doing that. I can't wait to interview you A silly American flag hat. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it. Jennifer asked, how is it an hour and 12 minutes if his kid's school is five minutes from their house? Yeah. I, I don't. That's, I couldn't organize that, but I'm sure it needs to be done. I know it needs to be done better. But it's legitimately an hour and 12 minutes. Well, well I, I mean, I guess I don't know what the drop-off time would be, but I know school starts. Yeah. The, the pickup time is 648. 648. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, very lucky to be in Crozet and, and close to you know, the school and um, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what those other parents are doing. I, I feel for you guys for sure. Absolutely, more questions come in. This one's from Matthew. Uh, the last time I was in in Skuma, it looked very, very different from the time that I was in earlier this year. He's constantly improving the business. Dude, have you. him put in perspective this change. Yeah, thank you. Fish tank. Oh. <laughs> to put it, put the change that you've done. All the improvements. In oh, there. just. Uh, we had a seating area outside, but it, it, the city didn't really like that. Uh, Fabio kind of shot that down, and um, it wasn't whatever. I didn't get permission for it. There was, you know, unhoused people living there and sleeping there, and which I didn't really care, you know, as long as they weren't belligerent. I always, you know, it was always kept in check. So we tried having a public seating area, which is another thing the downtown mall does not have adequate public seating. You know, it's in order to sit here, you've got to give me money to, for this food. Um, so we're trying to get a public private patio that's just no barrier to entry if you need a seat you can sit um so uh but yeah we've got armed security we've got the, the 210 gallon aquarium that feeds our aquaponics system where we're growing uh our cannabis plants from the fish poo so it's pretty awesome uh yeah we're, we're constantly bringing on new products and stuff i want to be able to have every single cbd product that's on the market so if anyone comes to us, we have something comparable that can help them um, or something that's applicable to their needs. Kevin so. Higgins is a football coach. Listen to this. Uh, they just had their very first practice from 5 to 7 p.m. last night. Listen to this, Judah. 5 to 7 p.m., he's a youth football coach. Kids showed up anywhere from 5 to 6.15. 5 p.m. to 6.15. And the practice ran five to seven. He asked the kids, why are you showing up late to the first practice? All their response was, it was tied to the school bus dropping us off late. Six kids no-showed to the first football practice because the bus didn't drop them off by the time practice ended. Man. That is, he's saying it's impacting everything. And he's in Greenwood, which is a little further away from schools. Like the kids that are in... uh, you know, some of these right Afton, a portion of Afton in Albemarle County, right? Yeah. The folks that live in Blenheim or it's a on, hike on that Fluvanna Scottsville line of Albemarle County. It's a significant hike. We have parents that watch this program this week that literally said to us, it's 90 minutes one way <laughs> if we're lucky for our kids. And they're in elementary school. 
and the parents are like, we have no choice but to keep our kids on the school bus for 90 minutes. Because that, they have to work. And kids can't walk. You know, you can't have an animal. You can't walk school. from Scottsville to Monticello. <laughs> you know, what are they going to be walking? Yeah, you can barely leave the day you can't before. drive on the, those roads safely. Right. There's no shoulders. They're blind. There's trees overgrown. There's, uh, you know, like, I think we lived at Lake Monticello, and I love Lake Monticello, and we would have still been living there, but, like, the roads, man, they're gnarly. Like, they're <laughs> in some <laughs> dangerous back roads in, in, in Central Virginia. Yeah, like, I don't know. How are the, how are the kids going to walk? Brian Yeagle watching the program. We, we love BY. BY is one of St. Anne's Belfield's finest graduates. Heck yeah. Now with uh, Farm, Farm Bureau Insurance. Brian, thank you for watching. He says David is a stud. <laughs> Absolute stud. Um, D- Brian, thank you for commenting. He's impressed with your business acumen. Um, I'm going to respond to him. Thank you for watching. Brian, thank you, Brian. Um, what do you think this... Uh, what do, you think, do you like the change you've seen in this community? I mean, you were born and raised here. How, can I ask how old you are? 31. 31. Yeah. You've been here 31 years for the most part. Yeah. Now you had a tour in Iraq. Some um, time in Fort Hood. Or Fort Cervezos. Okay. it changed its name. Yeah. Okay. Right. But for the most part, all your life here. Yeah. Do you like what this community is changing into? What scares you or what do you like about it? Uh, I, I like it. I know there's definitely some things we need to focus on there. You know, enabling bad behavior is definitely not something I think we should do. So like, I think we need to really, I think as much as it's like a point of contention and a soft topic, we need to do a panhandling ban downtown. I know that's, you know. I thousand percent uh, agree. I know that there could be some, you know, cognitive dissonance with that. Like helping on the lowest scale is always the best. And, you know, closer you are to the problem, the closer you are to solving it. But, that, you know, there's, there's organizations that, we, that are supposed to be equipped to be solving and helping these problems and people's issues and I don't feel like they're adequate um, so we can't allow their inability or their enabling tendencies to negatively impact our constituents our visitors our guests our co-workers our employees um, so like that's the one bad I think I think you know uh, the, sh- the shooting and, and such like that, it's, you know, that's a little raw and rough, and we could definitely improve on that. But I think as, like, the big picture, we're doing well. The growing, I think, is awesome. I, I believe in growth. I think not in my backyard. People are a little selfish. Like, you know, how can you enjoy something and then at the same time say someone else can't come here and enjoy it, right? Like, regulated growth, I think, is absolutely key for society. And if you're against it, come. There's some land for sale out in Crozet near me, and you can – we can squat up there against all the growth, but, uh, um, you know, I, I think the biggest infrastructure, the roads suck, you know, like, but it's okay. We can, I think we can, like, there, we can fix these things, like, with plans of actions, right? Like, in a decade, the homeless and mental health issues in Virginia can be, or in Charlotte are, are you know, and the roads can be fixed, right? I think if we just have the right focus and it's starting with the police department something that you know they took a pretty nasty l but it's been a while and i think a lot of people are now getting over that i think they thought people weren't getting over that but i think that's in the past right like now what they're doing is awesome uh, we're, we're enabling good things now so we need just keep that path going uh, kelsey's watching the program she goes our school bus is almost two hours one way and we live in afton jerry so you're absolutely yeah. right then she gives you a compliment by saying, will your guests consider running for local office of any kind? That would be awesome. I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, just because I, I, I think we could really, like, fix some little things, like, organizationally, right? Some structure, like, get treat, like CPD being treated like a business. Almar County needs to be, like, reeled in a little bit and treated like a business to get, right, so we can staff security officers and so we can school resource officers school resource officers yeah, yeah. But, you know my comment wasn't even to that like that's important school resource officers are on the ground but at like a managerial director level they need to be you know but that needs to be prioritized yeah he's 100% right about that I learned this stat yesterday from Carly Wagner she was watching the program earlier she said Albemarle County Public Schools have $16,800,000 million $800,000 allocated in the budget for school transportation. Then she makes the comment with a thousand kids not getting schools, 
will those thousand kids get a voucher from that 16,800,000 pot of money mm. to help compensate the parents for finding alternative solutions? I, I, I love that idea. And, and to your point, the local governments need to be run with more of a small business, physically conservative mindset. Mm -hmm. That's Absolutely. what you're saying. It's yeah. like, count people, every people need people dollar. like TJ to go, yeah. There you go, yeah. TJ Fatally. We love TJ Fatally, Rivana yeah. District. He's being, uh, he's challenging B. Lepisto Kirtley, the incumbent. But what you're saying is treat taxpayer dollars like you and I treat dollars we earn through our small business. Every dollar counts. Mm -hmm. And we as small business owners, have to stretch every dollar as far as possible. One of the things that I'm very impressed with you is you constantly are involving and improving your model. Every time someone goes into Skuma, there's an improvement or some yeah, level of innovation that's happened. There has to be. He constantly invests <laughs> in his business. You won't see Skuma like some of the businesses we see around here with tattered or torn benches or booths in their dining rooms. Everything is very nice. Mm -hmm. Everything looks the part and then some at Skuma. That mindset of running local government, David, with the same mindset we run our businesses, where we take every dollar and we prioritize it, is a mindset that I think is missing from local government. And I think you would be fantastic in a it. setting like that. I do it. I sincerely it. mean that. Um, you and I are an hour in. It's a blast yeah. spending time Thank with you. Thank you, man. How about I appreciate some, you, Jerry. I appreciate you. I sincerely mean that. How about some closing thoughts for the viewers and listeners, where okay. they can find you and what they can maybe expect from Skuma moving forward? Yeah, I know we didn't touch on, we didn't dive too deep, but basically our products are regulated, compliant, psychoactive. Uh, you're going to really enjoy them. If you've tried us before, uh, give us another try uh we you know if there's any way we can support you as either a community whole member organization please come to us we're really wanting to do positive impact uh and uh, i think we can continue doing that we've done you know i've talked about in the past how we've done uh like we fed on thanksgiving last two thanksgiving comes come as urc well as fed homeless all day no questions asked right out in front of skuma i got a lot of flack for having senna last year but we were given free kids or free kids uh free toys to kids why'd you get flack for having santa at skuma could, could, just because it's you know you're i don't know you're you're is santa claus not politically correct anymore no 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 i no they're more of like uh enticing children into a weed store kind of thing oh, yeah come on, but yeah. we were just giving you know, I got no problem with you the, having Santa and giving <laughs> toys to kids. Yeah, that's, that's what, we what you were doing. doing. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, Tristan over at Come As You Are Sivo, we've we've He's helped a lot. We, we we were looking for other organizations to enable and help. The smaller, the better. The, the more, like you said, prioritizing that dollar. If we can take some skooma bucks and turn it into some real tangible community investments, let's do it. I'm, you know, 100% owner. So there's no like rigmarole going back and forth or, you know, we'll just do it. I'm very impulsive. So come to me with a good local charity benefit and we'll make it happen. And you can quote me on it. Lily Walton watching the program. She's the chief people officer at Silverchair and she's giving you some props right now. Silverchair right across from you yeah, on the uh, awesome. downtown mall, giving you some props. Dude, you, I'll take the words from Brian Yeagle's mouth here. You are a stud, man. Every time you come on the program, you impress. Mm -hmm. I sincerely mean that. Skuma is prime for phenomenal things. Yeah. Um, as you gain market share and traction, especially in this climate where competition has pretty much been evaporated, yeah. and you are one of the few, if not the only, legitimate store remaining, dispensary. No, remaining. there's some good ones. There's, there's some, some good ones. ones. Yeah. There's some no. good ones. But you, you, you are the market leader here. I think as, as we, we all see where cannabis is heading, and that's a controlled, taxed, legal scenario. That's all we want. <laughs> Control it, tax it, make it legal. Right. You're going to crush it, dude. Yeah. And I know this Yunkin policy and implementation and legislation was not maybe in your crystal ball or my crystal ball, mm -hmm. but when we look on this 10 or 15 years from now and you have 20 skumas, mm -hmm. I think we're no, going to look be, back and I, say I'll this. I think you're going to say this. <laughs> That time where Yunkin created some friction allowed me to perfect this model 
mm. and, and figured out even more. Yeah. So once it became a tax-controlled, legal market, we were ready to thrive. Yeah. We are driving every day. Every day we just pivot and thrive. That's all you can do. That's your, what's your alternative? There is no alternative. <laughs> right? I, I love it. I love it. I love what you're doing. Thank you, David, Sweet. for joining Jerry, us. Thank you, man. It's our yeah. pleasure. Judah, thank you. Judah's A-plus people. Um, David's A-plus people. Vanessa Parkhill says, that's the unfortunate difference between business and government. Businesses have to offer a product or service and continue to improve to maintain or grow their revenue. Government inherently has no incentive to improve. Yes, we can vote, but at the end of the day, the government takes their cut, and sometimes the only recourse we have is to re relocate to a locality that leaves yeah. more money in their citizens' pocket. She's the queen of Earliesville, Vanessa Parkhill, and I 1,000% agree with yeah. what she just said right there. Correct. Um, that is the I Love Seville show, guys, on a Friday. David was amazing, the owner of Skuma Boutique Dispensary. We appreciate you guys watching the program. Judah, thank you kindly for directing the show. We are back on the saddle on Monday at 10.15 a.m. with Real Talk and at Mon on Monday at 12.30 with the I Love Seville show. For David and Judah, my name is Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for watching us and enjoy your weekend. Take care.